Welcome to a tale of two rival, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three peat go with your dot. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Champion and a spreadsheet obsessed, numbers loving nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the listener. The best possible podcast out there. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Day Right and Todd. I am excited to be here. It's been a minute since we've talked. I haven't potted with anybody in two weeks, so this is kind of crazy, man. Looking forward to tonight. I'm feeling a little feisty tonight. I've got I've been trolling a lot of people on the tweet machine and in chats, so I'm I'm feeling feisty. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to bring it tonight, man. It's funny, man. I've been like on mute mode and like like not really engaging with like just about anybody lately. I've just been like super busy with like so many things. Literally, my interaction have been like in my draft rooms and in my draft chat. So it's either I'm talking to my drafts or I'm not really talking much at all. And I've been like, you know, Twitter here and there. But, you know, last week of school is next week. So, you know, we're getting there, man. So, uh, you know, my pool is open. I got plenty of treehouse beer. Let's go. I had something pretty surreal happen to me uh, today, Dave. It was uh, pr- pretty, pretty interesting. So I have a son, Jackson, who's going to be three in a couple of months, and we're going to be sending him to preschool. Jackson has, um, I'm a special education teacher, so my wife is too, so we have a good idea about developmental milestones. And my son's definitely delayed somewhat significantly with his speech. So we had an IEP meeting. And it was my first time ever being on the other side of that. And they were trying to, like, explain some of the parts to us. And then we told them what we did. And then things moved a lot quicker. But one thing I've always said in every meeting I've ever been in is that I've never pretended to be a parent of a, of a child with a disability in my life, in any of those meetings. And now that I've been on the other side of it, I do get it a little more, like, even though my son's only three, there were certain things that I really wanted to hear from them, like how things would work. So I feel like that experience today is going to make me a better, more empathetic teacher. Even though I already feel like I was a very empathetic teacher, it was just a very interesting experience, to say the least. Wow, Todd. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, uh, I like that positive spin you put on everything, man. Uh, you know, looking at it from a professional standpoint and just trying to take a step back and and look at it from a different point of view. But also, I we already talked on the phone earlier today, but I, I told you I'm you know I'm happy Jax is getting some services that he's gonna that's gonna he need he needs, and it sounds like you guys have a great plan, man. I'm excited to see how things go for you guys because I know uh, you guys are gonna do what's best for him. So that's that's the exciting part to hear, you know, as you tell a bit more tonight too about what happened today. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, uh, he's gonna be doing like services in person now, which he couldn't before because of COVID, and like of course we understand. But here's the thing, Dave. He's also joined a gymnastics class, and it's a parent-child gymnastics class on Fridays. So if I have to tap in and do some tumbling, and Joanne has a video, I'm going to make sure she does not send it to you. Just saying. I feel like I need to fill in uh, the walrus's shoes here, Kennedy's shoes here, and say, Todd, you're not as young as you used to be, man. Make sure you stretch before you do anything too crazy, man. You're not as young as you used to be. I'm going to like just like start stretching, like stretching out my hands, like at the gym with like violent screams. Oh, yeah. No jeans. Do not wear jeans, Todd. Maybe even do a quick little jog to get your muscles blurs before stretching. That's always a little bit better. A little better to do, too. 
get get some karate punches in. You know, teach the kids some moves. You know what I'm saying? Good stuff. What's going on with you, man? Not too much, man. Actually, a lot is going on with me. Actually, so it's been a kind of a crazy couple weeks. Professionally, it's been really exciting. I had my student had prom. He graduated. I've been working with him for about six years now. Pretty pretty exciting to see him graduate. Uh, we did a bunch of senior events this past week, and like a senior barbecue prom, which I danced more at this prom, Todd, than I did at my own prom. Uh, he won prom court, which is really special. And it pretty, there's like a video where the whole, I think it was the loudest that the whole prom was the whole night when he got announced and he kind of, and there, he got jacked up on his way. It was a pretty cool moment. And, uh, then graduation, some of the most, uh, like natural, unique smile are like just authentic smiles I've ever seen him in the six years I've known him, seven years I've known him. So that was pretty cool. And uh, then I did op grad with him at like a trampoline park for like six hours from like 11 PM to, to, 6 a.m. and that was a hell of a time and it was just really cool to share that you know to be part of that experience with him and just see all you know all this hard work because he's come he's you know our students taught have to come overcome a lot and to see them kind of understand the moment a little bit and appreciate it is pretty freaking cool so that was really cool and then on the other end of the spectrum my grandfather passed away on thursday which he'd been struggling with some stuff for a while now months but still it felt pretty sudden that happened like i found out like 10 minutes before prom so it was a really tough weekend decided to to go to work because just my grandfather was you know i learned a lot about him but he actually started his own like in his town he started project the very first project graduation by fundraising uh people and auctioning his beard like to shave his beard for so the high school seniors every year could have a party. He was, you know, he was a town councilman. He he did, even though he was a, like a, in a small town in Northern Maine, who was a butcher, high school educated, um, small owned a small sandwich shop, but he was a town councilman on the housing authority, on the local homeless shelter board. And, and just overall, you know, he was this really, to me, he was this kind of an intimidating, uh, you know, not intimidating, but like this, you know, tough, old man kind of to me as a kid. And then as I grew up, I too, I, I learned about his softer side and it was just really cool to learn different stories about some of the things he did, like winning the governor's award for developing a, um, a, like a transportation service in Northern rural Maine for, for people with disabilities, uh, mental health problems and drug addiction problems and getting them to their appointments. And he, and to the doctor's offices and therapy and getting home. And so he developed that whole system and won a governor's award from the governor, which was really sweet. And it's just really cool to learn about him. And just, I'm looking forward to going home this weekend and spending more time with family and just uh, to honor, you know, his name is David Wright. My name is David Wright, different middle names, but uh, really cool to learn about my grandfather in a different way. And, and uh, looking forward to spending some time with family, Todd. And this, now this is a lot of <laughs> like it was, we started off the pot a little hot and s- serious here, Todd. But I think uh, it's always not, you know, as we we've been doing this now for three years. I think Tale Two Rivals, and I, we have a little relationship with our audience. So I think it's important that we, t- you know, we do share these kind of life events as they happen because the audience, you know, they're, they're like friends now, Todd. So we did take a little while here, but I absolutely agree, man. And I think your grandfather would consider you a chip off the old block, man. So I'm sorry <laughs> well, for your loss, but that. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's very proud. Um. All right, man. You ready to lighten this up and go with the question of the day a little bit? Yes. Yes, definitely. All right. So, if you owned 
a food truck or a restaurant, what would be what were you serving or what would be your theme, Dave? I want you to take this away, Todd, because I, I need a minute. So why don't you take this away? All right. So this was a tough one for me. So I went between two choices. All right. I went between a barbecue joint or a sandwich joint. But a quality sub or sandwich shop would be my jam. I'm talking like a bomb Italian where we're using spec. That's smoked prosciutto, ribeye steak and cheese, daily specials based off beautiful fresh ingredients. Maybe I dabble a little bit with some pulled pork or some pulled chicken. You know, bring out the brisket from time to time. Drop down a few homemade tortillas every once in a while. Fast break bread, quality toppings, condiments, David. Gotta get those condiments and sauces, homemade chips and sides. Maybe a few homebrews on the side. That is what we call the dream. All day, sandwich, sandwich joint. I like it, Todd. And that's actually kind of cool that because my grandfather owned a sandwich shop up in Northern Maine for years. So that's kind of cool that that's what you, that you mentioned. Uh, he was known for his roast beef and his, his, his prime, like his ribs and, or like his beef essentially. So he had a spiced rib that he would do that he was famous for, famous for. So, dude, that sounds legit. But yeah, yeah it, a quality roast beef is always a search for me, my friend. Oh, yeah. So for me, I've actually thought about this a lot. And it's something that maybe, you know, if ever down the road, it would be something that I actually would, my cousin and I, my cousin Eric and I have kind of talked about it in the pet, like, it'd be kind of fun if we ever lived near each other to open up a restaurant together. Uh, but what I would do, and I've already thought about the name, it would be called Just Apps or, or just a, like Apps, A-P-P-S. Uh, and it'd be strictly appetizers. And I'm talking, and I'm talking not just like your like pub appetizers. I'm talking high, like solid, like the best you can get mozzarella. Maybe two or three different kinds of mozzarella sticks. Like your thin onion ring, you have a choice between thin onion rings, thick sliced onion rings, six, seven different types of buffalo wings. Uh, you've got maybe some cheese boards you can select from. Uh, you can def- and then you can also do have you know some homemade pretzels, you know some chowders, Todd. All kinds of different things, some chilies, notch, a couple different types of nachos, and some seafood appetizers. And I'm talking like just a wide variety of appetizers, excellent drink menu. And that's kind of what I'm going with. Just apps, no meals, just appetizers, baby. I, I don't want to worry about how you want your steak cooked. I don't want care about this stuff. No, I, I want to bring you the best appetizer on the market. And that's, that's kind of what I do for my restaurant, Todd. I think you should have an option that's called just a taste. And you're taking a little page from the dim song people, you know, and just like be able to get like, you know, those two, three dollar like plates and just pile them up, man. I'd be all Heck over that. Yes. Heck yes, Todd. Dim song and San Fran was like one of my coolest food experiences, dude. It was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So we should probably get in some football talk. All right. So today's topic, we're doing running back tears. So today, we are revisiting our running back tiers uh, with our rookies add-in to mix. So the NFL draft didn't really shake up a lot of this like landscape uh, when we did this the last time, but time has passed, and opinions do change. And we didn't go as in-depth. The last time we did this, it was more like a top like 12 ranking, so we haven't done like tiers per se. So we're going to go deep into six tiers tonight for running back. So David, my question to you, sir, is, how late would you be willing to wait to draft your first running back based on your tiers? And which tier would it be that I need at least two guys by this point? 
Oh, wow. So if I need to have two guys in a start, see in startups, I'm very running back light. I might want to grab one running back, but to ha- so if my latest running back that I probably would want to grab here would probably be, I'm thinking a Miles Sanders, like for me, probably like Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon. I actually, I wouldn't draft, I probably wouldn't draft Joe Mixon in a startup, but like Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders are my tier three of running backs. That's kind of for me, kind of what I'm thinking to have at least one running back and to have two running backs, I would probably say I wouldn't be, I'd be okay not to get a, t- a second top 24 running back. I'd be okay with it. So I would say I, I, I could go with my tier seven, tier eight if I had, if I wanted to build heavy and wide receivers. And two, I'd want to do a lot more trading in my draft, try to acquire in a range. So I, it's tough when I'm just thinking linear, like in a linear way and not knowing about how I'm moving up and down the draft board and where I'm acquiring these these picks. But um, I would say if I was just linear, couldn't move around a lot, I would say I'm totally fine with not having another top 24 running back. How about you, Todd? Uh, for me, I'd want to grab a guy in the top 18 for me as my as bike. And within my rankings, like one of my top 18 guys would be, I have to get one of those RB1s. And then like Dave said, like, I'll wait like outside the top 24. But in that 26, 30 range, I'm trying to get like two, hopefully three guys so I can kind of rotate through and play that if I'm going to go wide heavy. And probably there's usually like a guy or two in that range that I'm higher on than most. Like Gus Edwards was a guy that I was higher on than most people at one point. So he would have been the guy that would have been like my fourth option. And like if I waited super late and that would have probably paid off in some situations. So like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same page as you. I just wouldn't use the same names, you know, but um, yeah, so I'm pretty much. And like you said, it's tough to kind of judge that question. I thought it was just more of a fun question than like a question that has like a definitive approach to it. You know, well, you and I are both pl- dynasty players who are totally willing to build through the, the wide receiver position. So I think that's just I think we should. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not willing to build through the wide receiver position. I want to build through the wide receiver position. <laughs> yeah, I like to as well. And then I, I end up uh, over time acquiring more running backs and then go with a more balanced approach. But yeah, that's that's the idea, Todd. Um, so I guess I'm ready to, to really dive into this, Todd, tonight. Now, how we talked about how we did our QB tiers last episode. How do you really go about at, like ranking these and tiering these running backs off? All right, so there's really like four main pieces for me. Uh, well, actually five, okay? Five main pieces. Uh, priority one is production, and that's pretty much the ceiling to floor to points scored, right? So what, what they've done in the past, what I could project them at, like wherever that ceiling floor is, like how are they going to produce for me? Obvious, right? Versatility. Do they catch the football, essentially? That's really it. Like catching the football is essential to being able to score more fantasy points. Longevity. Can I trust the type of production that I'm banking on or projecting or better? And for how many years? Situation. I like backs a good offense. It's really not like a crazy idea. Good offenses produce good backs. And then those, the feels, you know what I'm saying, David? Those feels. Mm, the feels, the athleticism, the dynamic ability, that eye test and hell. Do I just like to watch them play? You know, so yeah. Production. That's a sexy. That's a sexy way, Todd, to just say you go with your gut. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Production, versatility, longevity, situation, and the feels. 
And the, you told me just said that was sexy. So that was a little awkward. So you go now. Well, Todd, you know, this, we're just talking on the mics. You know, that's it. sometimes your voice, Todd, you, you know, built for radio. So. Nachoku. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, we'll save that for the tight end episode. Um, but so similar to our last episode, my tiers kind of consist of players who I obviously I value them similarly. I'm not willing to I or I don't need to pay a premium to move up or get a premium to move down. I'm pretty happy and view them all in the same type of area, especially in a startup draft. I'm okay with getting any of those players in a startup draft and be, ha- and, and be happy to slot them into the position that I'm looking to have them fill uh, as far as my, on my running back depth chart. Now, I will say, though, I do approach it a little bit slightly differently because the running backs, I, I just think the running backs are a lot different than quarterback because quarterbacks, sometimes we're talking, you know, these young quarterbacks, you're thinking about a 10-year career. Now, we're, I know that a lot of times we don't have these quarterbacks for 10 years, but the idea is that's how long their value could last in these running backs. And I, I really view it as a year-to-year position with a little bit of a caveat here, but before I get into that, I'll say for me, the way I approach just evaluating them for me, I put a premium on pass catching. I really, I do value athleticism way more than I do for wide receivers with running back. So I really like running back athleticism too. And age, age is a huge factor for me and running backs. And people have heard me talk about it a lot, but before I get to that, I'm going to say pass catching and, and I'm going to be sound like a broken record again, but what I love about pass catching, especially in, from a dynasty, like a dynasty running back point of view is, so say the situation changes in a year or and they, they bring another running back in in the draft or just have more competition the following season, pass catching allows them to, to withstand that kind of tar- or volume competition in their backfield because they can always be relied on in the receiving game. And, it, and, on, the same, and on the same front as that, too, you're going to get... Uh, in poor game scripts, they're you know if they're in comeback mode, though that pass catching ability will keep them on the field and allow them to keep scoring fancy points. So it's kind of a it's just to have a well rounded approach of the running back position to be able to withstand several different what you might think would be negative factors that could affect a running back, but it makes them more uh, quote unquote safer. Even though I'm not much of a safe believe in that word is from a, a dynasty perspective, but I'm going down a rabbit hole just on that one sentence there. But so for me, also age age historically the the widest gap between RB production and historical dynasty values happens for young running backs. Now, the last season or two, that edge is getting smaller as more dynasty players are on to, they love getting their younger running backs, but it still can be used to your advantage in leagues. And so I just want to maximize the fantasy point scores, score in the first couple of years, and then sell at peak value when they hit that age 24 or 25 thing and just get an influx of another running back draft pick and maybe a wide receiver on top of that, and just keep adding value to your roster. And then why does athleticism matter? For me, it's because it's important because I don't want my running back to hit a, get a big hole and get tackled after 30, 40 yards. I want them to score the touchdown when, they're, when they have that hole. And that's the difference between Derrick Henry. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. That's the difference between Derrick Henry and A.J. Dillon. Derrick Henry never gets tackled from behind. And I, val- I really value that home run ability and just turning five-yard gains into 10-yard gains, and so forth. And then, I th- there's actually a lot that goes into my tears, Todd, and I actually didn't realize how much I went into it, but I was thinking about it today on the commute, but I think a lot about the likelihood a player's value will increase, decrease, and stay the same, or if they've peaked a little bit. And yeah, I mentioned how it's a year-to-year, po- um, I really treat running backs from a year-to-year position, but I don't, like, as far as a production standpoint, like, I, I'm not counting on Saquon Barkley's production a year from now, per se. 
but I am counting on his value in a year. Do I think it's going to increase, decrease, stay the same? And that's kind of how I, that's how, why I like my younger running backs, because I can, I know that either their value is going to increase or stay the, the same more likely than a 27, 28 year old running back. And just also too, is to, I've been talking actually longer than I thought I was going to here, but to wrap it up, I'm just not confident that we know about, that we can accurately gauge risk. I think every, we can poke every person in Todd's top 28, my top 28. There is, I can go through and poke a hole in every single running back and say why they should be ranked lower. Every single one, starting with the running back, my RB1, Todd's RB1, all the way down to 24. There's holes in all these running backs. There is no perfect running back. And in my rankings, I was looking, I don't think I'd be like thrilled to be owning a lot of these running backs at value just because of how the position, how injuries work, how volatile it is year to year. Look at Todd Gurley. Look at how these, like Devonta Freeman, how he dropped off. All these players year after year, They how quickly it can change for the running back position. And so for me, I'm less concerned about risk and projecting the future. I'm more about trying to to hit that like that upside and bet on their talent and how they can handle their volume and and just bet on that talent compared to worrying about oh what happens if someone gets drafted that backfield or whatnot. I'll believe on the draft capital, the talent, and whatnot. So Todd, there's a very long winded way of how I approach my tears. I feel like I said the same thing much quicker. Probably, probably. Except, except, uh, I, I'll disagree, but. <laughs> I, I was sexier. I was sexier. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you're like, I'm justifying how to say this in a 12,000 different ways. Yeah. But, no, uh, I, I mean, I wanted to stop, but I was like, you know, I, we don't talk about a lot. So sometimes we're just talking ranking or whatever. And I think it's important sometimes to talk about the strategy and what goes oh, in sure. behind it too. So for sure, for sure. And I think like the difference in longevity between us is the big difference for us with running back and how you define that. Like, so I feel like you're more looking to cash in at the beginning where I'm willing to see through those two years of elite production more. You know what I yep. mean? I think that's and well then, said. Yeah. So do you notice how efficient that was, David? Well, so, Todd, you had a long um, way to think about how to put it efficiently. So <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. So, <laughs> all right. So let's get into tier one. Uh, so my tier one is CMC. That's it. Uh, Dave's tier one is CMC. Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor. So, David, any thoughts on the fact that I am just by myself with one guy? No, I no, no real. I mean, C- CMC definitely feels, I, I was, I actually had to think a long time about my tier one, uh, but CMC seems like I, he's both our number one running back. However, for me, I have a couple other players in it. And I guess my question for me, because when I'm thinking, when I was thinking about Christian McCaffrey was, does your does the injuries that he's had, the age concerns, the the coaching staff kind of changing, the quarterbacks changing. Does any of that worry you at all when it comes to like he's had a lot going back to college. He's had a large workload for a long time. Are you worried at all about any of this catching up with him, Todd? Uh, age a little bit. The coaches not really at all. If anything, I feel like he kind of got a little bit of a potential upgrade. Uh, Ron Revere is a great coach, but they have like some very, you know, innovative, like offensive minds in there that in year two, that's not the COVID year. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see, uh, the injuries, not really at all. I I'm a little bit more optimistic because I spend too much time with you. Yeah. I mean, CMC is just simply different, man. It's like having two running backs 
in one spot. It's like starting a quality quarterback in your running back spot. So until there's no longer that's no longer the case, I'm buying. And I'm fine being wrong on this one. It's almost like he has to go the Todd Gurry route on us. And he'll like unless he goes that route, he's gonna have solid trade value once the quote unquote wheels come off and he's no longer that top guy. He'll still have trade value, but you literally rode him to possibly multiple championships. I traded for him in two weeks this year, and I was stoked because I actually think that the buy window is a little open because of the same questions you just asked me. I mean, granted, you have significant pieces to it, but if he returns to form like he was, I mean, you got to steal. So CMC is in a tier of his own until proven otherwise, as far as I'm concerned. I agree, Todd. I've seen a lot of CMC moving around. And what's interesting to me is that why I'm a little intrigued why he's moving around because like those those managers have sat on an injured CMC for a while now. And then after they've withstood all of that, they're going to trade him away now. It doesn't quite make 100% a lot of sense to me, but I understand every situation team's different. But it's just kind of an interesting that you have seen CMC moving a lot because a year and a half or like before the injuries, he was not moving a lot. So it's kind of interesting to see how much movement he's having now. I got him in the middle of a draft. I mean, it was just a rookie draft for Matt Ryan in a 2022 second in a super flex week. I was like a 32 team league, 16 team league or 16, 16 team league. Okay. So that's a little different, but still that's kind of crazy. I was pretty excited. <laughs> all right. So, all right, David, here's my question to you, man. So. It's a little weird to see Barkley up there, but not Delvin Cook. What's your argument about Barkley over Delvin Cook? That year and a half age difference matters to me. First and foremost, that does matter to me. I think that for me in the, my running back age curve, you still, I still have another year before I'm considering moving Barkley. And actually, I probably would be considering moving Barkley if he had been healthy lately. So I'd actually be thinking about moving him, but totally comfortable having him for one more season. Whereas Cook is in, I, I would want to be selling him now based on where his peak, he's very close to peak value and what have you. But the biggest piece with Saquon Barkley is his receiving upside. Dalvin Cook, very solid. I think 3.9 targets per game last year. But Saquon Barkley, his rookie year, had 120 targets. You cannot, that receiving upside, I don't, I think Saquon Barkley has, and I guess, no, don't get me wrong. Dalvin Cook put together an, an incredible season last season, but I think there's only, only other running back who could be in that category as CMC is Saquon Barkley. And that's kind of that it's that receiving ability. Now, I don't, I'm worried that with Jason Garrett and Judge won't use him the same way, especially with, with that was Eli Manning, I believe, that had CM, that had uh, Saquon doing so well through the air. Whereas Daniel Jones might be more willing to rush or not target Barkley. So I'm a little worried about that. But just that upside with Saquon puts him here for me. All right. Well said. So before I give my thoughts on that take, I think it's just natural that we go into tier two because it what I'm what I'm gonna share about that relates to who I have in my tier. All right. So again, my tier one was CMC by himself, and Dave had three guys in his tier one. That was CMC, Saquon Barkley at two, and Jonathan Taylor at three. Now, my tier two, so these are also elite options, pretty much 
top top you can get. My number two is Jonathan Taylor. My number three is Delvin Cook. My number four is Saquon Barkley. And my number five is Alvin Kamara. Dave's tier two is number four is Cam Aker. Number five is DeAndre Swift. Number six is Delvin Cook. And number seven is J.K. Dobbins. So even though I have them in a different tier, because like, let's be honest, like I just see CMC in the class of his own. And I don't really think that's crazy to say. I actually have Jonathan Taylor higher than Dave, who's the Jonathan Taylor guy. And he got on him early. Dave, like, you know, I was always a big fan of Jonathan Taylor, but Dave, like, led the parade. <laughs> so uh, by far best young back. Easily the best, like, ceiling out of that top five. Because just given his age and, you know, ability to improve on that proven production already. Now, Delvin Cook's at three. I know I'm getting elite production out of Delvin Cook for at least two more years. And the reason I put him over Saquon is, Dave's right that Saquon's the most likely guy to be projected to get into the same tier as CMC, right? But Delvin Cook was pretty much there with him last year, and he's in a better offense. And yeah, I buy into the receiving upside, but Delvin Cook is literally a workhorse in a, a much better situation. So Saquon's still four for me. And I honestly, I've had him two, I've had him three, I've had him four. I've had him pretty much anywhere but one in the top four. But I think four, I'm pretty firm on right now. And Kamara, when we did the rankings episode, he was my two in January. He's down to five for me because I'll Philly, I'll finally admit uh, to the Saints' concern to this point that he's not my two anymore. He's my five. So Dave, do you want to break down your uh, tier two a little bit? Todd, I think you broke that down pretty well. I really, I think that's interesting. We see a little chink in the Alvin Kamara, the Kamara uh, armor for you. I know, I mean, I love Alvin Kamara too, but I, you know, I'm on record for being really concerned about the the Saints QB situation. So that's just interesting. I just, I, I feel like we just grew a little closer here, but I do have a question for you because looking at your list, you have Jonathan Taylor is really young, but then you've got Two names like Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, who are getting up there as far as RB age, like tw- almost 26. So my question to you is, are there any players in this tier that you think won't be here in February 2022? Uh, the answer is possibly, but not going down. So, okay, so you I, don't, okay, all right. I would see the potential in somebody ascending. I think Jonathan Taylor has that kind of a ceiling to get into that tier one. Like you just said about Barkley, you explained that better than I could have how Barkley could be in that tier one. Delvin Cook, a lot of people would should put him in the tier, would put him in tier one. And I don't think that's crazy. Kamara, he'd probably be the, the, the one to possibly fall out. But I honestly think Kamara's versatility, and you want to talk about a guy who doesn't go down easy, man. I mean, Kamara's like the definition of dynamic. I really do think that the Saints are going to lean on him a lot still. So no, I don't really see anybody falling out of the tier. Kamara's probably the closest bet with the other three guys having the chance to go into the tier one status. Interesting. Now, are you more likely to draft this tier two in a in a startup for you or not necessarily could see you waiting longer in a, in a startup? Uh, I would say that I'd be probably looking at one of these guys at the end of the second in a super flex draft because I would think that you're going to see like, you know, quite a few of the stud running backs. It also is tight in premier. You're going to see Kelsey come off the board. So you're going to end up hopefully, I mean, if you're, you're at the end of the second and you haven't traded picks, you got a QB probably in your first, you know, first five 
picks, you know, uh, in the first five picks, you're drafting a QB. So then you're probably looking at like Cook or Kamara at the end of the second, which is just stupid value. I do, Todd, I will say I do. I've seen Dalvin Cook go mid second a lot. I do love pairing Dalvin Cook with an elite tight or elite QB in a Superflex startup. So I would be more likely to pull the trigger on a Dalvin Cook in a startup. That'd probably be the, if I'm looking at my list, I'm probably most likely to take Saquon Barkley if he was falling, because I've seen him fall a little bit too, but, or Dalvin Cook would probably be my most likely to take here. But that's a little off tangent here, but. Let's put it, hold on, just put it, put it this way. If none of those guys are there at the end of the second, that means that you're either scoring a hell of a QB2 or you're, or Justin Jefferson just landed into your lap, something like that. Yeah, I'd be really stoked to have them, but like something pretty significant that should probably not be there will be there instead. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, break down tier two, buddy. So my tier two, and this is my, I'm really banking. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about upside talking about where I see their value increasing. And actually, when I kind of look at this tier, to summarize it, I either think I'm going to get, can get the RB1 overall production, or they could be the RB1 overall in Dynasty in February. So I think all I think Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins all have the tool set to do it. Now, and I'm willing to bet on that talent. However, there are some question marks to do it. I think the, the volume for Dobbins and his receiving Volume is the question marks. DeAndre Swift, he's on a poor team in the Lions, but I hope, but hopefully his receiving upside mitigates that. And Cam Akers, not a ton, not a huge sample size where he was a either healthy or got the large majority of the workload. However, that's kind of the most. Re- if you're looking back, this is kind of the most recent, like a little recency bias here because he was the last one to kind of do it for everyone in their minds, and he gets Matthew Stafford. So there's a lot of reasons why they Cam Akers, but honestly, I might have Cam Akers projected to have the the lowest point. Well, maybe J.K. Dobbins, but I could see DeAndre. I actually have DeAndre, I could see DeAndre Swift having in the median range of outcomes scoring more points than Cam Akers. I think there's a lot more outs or a lot on to Cam Akers' profile than DeAndre Swift's. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't quite believe in Cam Akers' receiving upside as much as I do Swift or even a. It says even Dobbins. I think Dobbins has it. He just doesn't do it as much. But I guess the reason why and looking that that's exactly how I do it. They've got all these guys have the draft capital. They've got uh, they're either on good teams or they have receiving upside to to mitigate that. And I I think all of these players have volume um, or have the ability to either stay here in value or increase to that RB one potential. So that's kind of my tier two. And this I I do have a lot of risk here, Todd. And that's why I actually don't draft a ton of these players in startups because of that risk. I usually acquire them in existing leagues, or I did in my existing leagues in rookie drafts instead. Well, interestingly enough that in our league, I traded you Swift for Cook. So I feel like you got two guys with limited sample sides ahead of an already elite option. Is there really such a thing like, is there really like a sure thing here going over that proof and stuff? You had Cook as your running back four in January, and you just put both these guys over him. I love Dalvin Cook. Don't get me wrong. I really think he's a great player. I when you said when you were talking about Minnesota's offense, I actually have some concerns about Minnesota's offense. I don't think they have a they yes, he gets a huge chunk of that vo- of that the pie, but that's not a very high it's one of the slower paced offenses in the league. They're not running a ton of plays. 
it's because that defense sucks or stinks and they're trying to cover up that defense. I do not believe in Mike Zimmer as a coach. And I don't think that I actually think he's lost a little bit on defense. I think Dalvin Cook, I don't think he's ever going to move up from where he is as next year. I think he's going to be valued less, most likely in Dynasty, whereas DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, they're either going to be here or be higher, or they're going to just not hit the projection. And that's the risk that I'm willing to take here. That's a pretty, pretty, pretty hefty risk. Pretty hefty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I want to bet on the talent. I know they can handle the work. I know they have the ability to, to, they have these skills in their repertoire to handle the workload. So if they get it, it's to the moon, baby. All right. So uh, let's get into tier three. So my tier three is it's a combination of floor and ceiling for me. This is where I know these guys either have that elite potential or I know that they have an elite floor. At number six, uh, I got DeAndre Swift for the ceiling. For seven, I got Nick Chubb for the floor. For At eight, I got Derrick Henry for the floor. At nine, I got Cam Akers for the ceiling. At 10, I got Najee Harris for obviously the ceiling. And then at 11, I got J.K. Dobbins. Dave, why don't you tell them your, your third tier? My third tier is my largest tier. I have At eight, I have an Alvin Kamara. And then I have Nick Chubb at nine. Travis Etienne at 10, Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 11, Najee Harris at 12, Antonio Gibson at 13, Miles Sanders at 14, and Joe Mixon sneaking in at RB15. All right. So, David, that seems like quite a drop for Kamara. Could you uh, kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I actually, I'm betting that Taysom Hill, A, either gets a lot more work than we're expecting. Next season, I think we talked about this as my sleeper QB in our last episode, but I think because it's Jameis Winston, I think whereas they're less likely to take out Drew Brees, I think they would be much more willing to put in Taysom Hill at the goal line, third and short situations, and they'll cut into Jameis Winston's workload a lot more than they would a Drew Brees, and as an effect, that'll have a greater effect on Kamara or that I'm just I'm not a believer in James Winston in any which shape or form. So I'm not I'm not convinced he'll target Kamara. I'm I'm not convinced that he won't turn the ball over a ton just like he did in Tampa Bay. And I know he was a top fantasy QB and he su- sustained Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I'm just worried that that w- Drew Brees is one of the best running back passers in the game as far as targeting the running back that we've ever that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I think that's a big deal for Kamara. And and the, and the Saints. So that's why the big fall for me. And then Nick, Nick Chubb for me, actually, Todd, is I actually think that he is top five type upside, but I'm actually getting a little concerned with his age and Kareem Hunt taking away any receiving upside that he could possibly have, unless I'm counting on an injury, kind of caps it for Nick Chubb there. And then Travis Etienne, I'm, I, I, I'm really high on him. I, I, I think he's got the, the athleticism. He's got the pass catching ability. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's. I think this is a post, um, post hype, tar- or whatever sleep, whatever it is, post hype sleep or whatever the term is. People got too far ahead of themselves, thinking that he was the RB one, like he has, like you know, top six overall startup pick. But in that, we're still talking about the Kansas City Chiefs offense. They didn't really add a weapon outside. They don't really have a ton of weapons outside of Harris. I mean, outside of um, Hill and Kelsey, really. I, I mean. Th- 
th- there's still room for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to to rack up yards, to score touchdowns. And Najee's Najee. I think that he, everyone knows what the deal with Najee Harris is. Antonio Gibson, he had a very soft schedule at one point last season, and he capitalized with the touchdowns and the opportunities. I'm just curious. I, I, I'm curious how they're going to use him. I think he has some serious upside here, but I also think I'm not c- totally convinced that they're willing to target him in the passing game, even though he has that in his skill set. And then Miles Sanders, still holding on to him. I, I, I worried about uh, who Hurts not c- targeting him enough in the passing game and taking advantage of his receiving ability. But I still think that Philadelphia offensive line is going to be much, much improved. And Devonta Smith adds another out. I just think that offense is going to be better than it was last year. So Miles Sanders is going to be better. Even even with those options coming in, I think those are more insurance for Sanders than true share the load type backs. And Joe Mixon, we talked about him a lot. A lot to like about Joe Mixon. Uh, that Cincinnati offense should be freaking good this season where it could could really pile up some TDs for Mixon. And if they could ever target him in the receiving game, he could be one of the most likely players to finish in the top five from this list here that I gave you. But we're running out of opportunities for Mixon to to really capitalize on the promise that he had when, Todd, we would uh, really were high on him a couple seasons ago. What about your tier three, Todd? I, I what I found interesting was is like you having Etienne over Harris, so which just kind of surprised me, man. I mean, you're definitely in the minority there, but um, yeah, I, I think my biggest difference is is like clearly I'm a believer in Derrick Henry, and you were not, and <laughs> this is where we see that difference, you know. And I also think like with Swift, like. It's kind of funny, like, the argument you made about Kamara, like, I feel like you make the same argument about Swift. But um, I I feel like it's, we just kind of value the projections a little differently. You know what I mean? Like, there's five options where I'm not willing to reach over, you know? But it doesn't mean that I don't like Swift. He's still my sixth, like, ranked running back, you know? Yeah, we have, we're one spot ahead. I have DeAndre Swift five, you have him six. So it's not like we've got Yeah, that, you know, like, but I have, but we have a tier break. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that kind of goes to show you, like, where we're willing to invest in him, you know? Um, I'm willing to let him fall to me, and I feel like it sounds like you'd be willing to pay up, but you're also saying you're probably looking for a wide instead at that price, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on mine? Yeah, I, I'm curious. One, I actually thought ETN was your RB1 in this rookie class, Todd. So why, why did that change, or what's up? So he is my RB1 in this class, but... The big thing is, is that it's not like I like Etienne more as a player and with a ceiling than I do Harris. But the landing spot in the capital speaks, right? Uh, I will trade Harris in a package for a tier two guy and my list all day. Like, I'm going to go find that person who's stupidly high on Harris and trade him. I'm not going to be able to do the same thing with Travis Etienne, right? I'm not going to have to invest the capital in that. So I'm going to rank Harris based off his trade value. Now, that's something that's a little different than what I say when I do my tiers. But this is an exception for me because I, I, I like Najee Harris. It sounds like I'm like saying to myself, like, people will think that Najee Harris could be some stud and he's not. He definitely could be. I just don't see him being like the next coming of something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I could easily see Etienne being better. Obviously, Etienne being with another great back and James Robinson doesn't help anything. And, you know, I... 
We'll see what Urban Meyer can do as an NFL coach, honestly. Yep. A lot know? of question marks, Todd. A lot of, he said some questionable head scratching stuff here. Yep. Mike Tomlin likes to run a freaking workhorse. That's one of the most definitive things you can say in the NFL, right? I like Etienne better as a player, you know, but I'm gonna take that piece that you've always talked about with trade value. That's why Harris is over at Etienne. It's because of what I can get back for him. And I'm wherever I draft Najee Harris, he's on the block, everybody. Let me know what you want for him. <laughs> you know what's kind of interesting, Todd, too, looking one other thing in your your tier three is Dobbins is a little, I I'm actually a little are you worried about you it's just your Gus Edwards love, is that why you have Dobbins at eleven? No, it's actually uh, Lamar Jackson. That's yep. that's what it is. It's you have a I feel like his quarterback could outrush him every year, you know? That that's the issue. And Gus Edwards is the cherry on top of the issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh yeah, I mean Gus is definitely still there too. So but no, Lamar Jackson's gonna eat. He's gonna run the ball, you know? So that's more of the issue there. And also, you know, they just added Rashad Bateman, Tywin Wallace. He's going to turn some heads. He's still got Hollywood Brown. Still got Mark Andrews. So, like, I imagine they're going to throw a little bit more with still having this one of the best running QBs ever. He's got a lot to compete with to kind of live up to where he's at. Could he? Does he have the talent? Of course he does. It just doesn't seem like he's in, like, this perfect situation to see where he's going to be able to definitely give you that return. Todd, I should give you... I should say too, I am my out of any player that we've talked about so far in any of my tiers, the player I have the least confidence in is Dobbins. I actually might be willing, even on air, I might be willing to move, take him out of my tier two and move him to the top of my tier three because I actually 100% agree with you on Dobbins. I, I just may have seen a couple of clips about him and a poster shot of him catching, making a crazy leaping catch in training camp. So maybe I got. I got too excited here, but I, I think Dobbins has the skill set. I'm willing to bet on it. But honestly, I think D- Dobbins does actually belong in my tier three, not my tier two. That a boy. We're growing. We're growing. Yep. We're learning from yeah. each other. I like it. I respect it. I love it. I mean, I've been an, actually a Dobbins hater all offseason. Not hater, but I've been just... You've been, been a hater really... for, for a while, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just... I, and I'm not a hater. I just think that maybe I should take him down a tier. Just, and it's not like I'm moving him down a rank. It's just a tier. Right. I mean, it's also interesting that like we're we're low on a guy in the heaviest running offense of last season. But I, I, that, that's, that's be- what actually that's what gets me, man. That's what gets me. Well, it's because they're heavy running offense because of their quarterback. Yeah. You know, like how like how often he runs the ball is the reason why they're so run heavy. And also like Gus Edwards is eating dude like he eats into it he's a good player so yeah so it, like I, I like jk like obviously he's in my top 12 i'm just saying like i'm not going beyond that interesting point todd you and i are both we i actually i feel i'm lower on lamar jackson than you are but i think we both think that lamar jackson is going to be have an incredibly much better year this year right oh for sure dude so for maybe sure. maybe we should maybe that's part of it hey if i think if lamar jackson has a good year that's going to be good for uh J.K. Dobbins, too. So that's kind of was in my mind of, of having him sneak into my tier two. But anyway, Todd, moving on, on to tier four, Todd, do you want to kind of go through your tier four? No, I don't. No, we'll you see don't. you next time. Oh, what a tease.
I really wanted to keep going too, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this is where we got to call it a day, David. What? We even wanted more. Tell them where they can find you, Dave. Can find me at FF underscore Spaceman. I almost said my AOL screen name. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's try the. You can find me at uh, Foster NMPG11. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, at Spaceman Spiff two four five on AIM. Uh, no, so at FF underscore Spaceman FF. No, yeah, at FF underscore Space. I'm all thrown off now. At Are FF you okay? Spaceman, yeah, dude. I don't know why that got me uh, got me laughing so hard. At FF underscore Spaceman on the Twitter. Check out my Patreon. I'm going to be doing a lot on some advanced stats in the next couple of weeks. Um, really looking at their their stickiness from year to year and predicting future fantasy points or future opportunities. And yeah, Todd, that's kind of and, and we're we're getting close to baby Todd. I think we're almost eight weeks away for two months out. Here we go. Life's about to change. It's good stuff, man. It's nothing's better than becoming a father. End of story, dude. End of story. All right. So you can find me at FF underscore banterman on the Twitter machine. Hit me up. Shoot me a message. Let's talk. Want some takes. C2C is my life. Loving it, baby. Loving it. All about that dynasty life, though, too. Uh, Go cop that IDP guys rookie mag that is now available for digital and print. And it is powered by Fantrax. So. And I will be dropping in a few weeks my first D2C episode. All right. Until next time. Uh, that <laughs> felt good to get this off the the Todd, but we I I could tell we haven't talked in a while. We were not rushing through our tears tonight. No, actually, maybe more more not. me. I was very long winded at times. Well, you could also say that you haven't been on like what like seven podcasts this week as well. <laughs> you had a lot of like pent up like podcast frustration to get out. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't even like been. I literally I had not been on Twitter for like five days really. So I hadn't even like given any takes in like a in a group chat or anything. So yeah, I, I had some fantasy. I have not talked a lot of fantasy, so I've got so some thoughts. You, you get off for Twitter for five days. Your soul must be better intact. Uh, yeah, so. just about, just about. Oh, oh my man. God, man. One quick thing before we get out of here. Are you, I should have brought, I, I, you highlighted it, but are you shocked that you have Jonathan Taylor ranked higher than I do? Yeah, actually I am. Uh, well, actually no, no, because I mean, between like him and Barkley, like it, it's it's pretty much a coin toss to a degree. <laughs> the fact that you have Barkley over Taylor because of age is very weird. That is yeah. very very weird to me. You, you know what it and, is? And, and Taylor put in good receiving work. It's Philip Rivers is gone. It's Philip Rivers is gone, dude. I I like whoa, Frank. Whoa, 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 whoa. So Jonathan Taylor, like his value was baked in with. Philip Rivers? No, I'm just saying I am worried. I am worried with Naheem Hines there. I'm just worried that Taylor will not 
and Carson Wentz is more of a little bit of a gunslinger, push the ball down the field. I am mm-hmm. worried mm-hmm. that Philip Rivers is not going to be targeting Jonathan Taylor as much. And I'm, and I, I think Taylor has the ability to go out and smash 80% of the workload and just dominate and be the runaway fantasy RB one. I think he can do, I think that's, he has that ability. But my thing is, I think Frank Reich is totally fine with him getting 60 to 65% and just, and because, and two, why didn't they invest in offense more on, I, I just, I'm disappointed in that whole team makeup on the offense. Offensive line, Costanzo left, right? That offensive mm-hmm. line isn't mm-hmm. as good. And the, like they should have added a premium wide receiver. They, and they didn't. And it bothers me that they're just, are they going to be just unimaginative, grinded out type of offense? I, I just bought some of my overall team concerns with the Colts. Well, I also think that they're really high on Pittman, you know, and I, I wouldn't see Pittman as my one. That's for sure. And they brought back Kilton. So, like, I mean, I feel like they have, like, decent depth for the wide receiver position. Like, nothing, like, spectacular. You know what I mean? But I feel like, I don't know, it just seems like they didn't, like, reach on it, you know? And um, Julio, they should have got Julio had been perfect for them. But for, like, to, like, what gain? Like, Julio's not a missing, like, they're not a Julio away from a Super Bowl. Oh, you they're don't not. think so? No. With a brand new quarterback? What? You don't know what Carson oh, that's Wentz true. is going to be. Carson Wentz. That's true. That's you have true. no idea what's going to be Carson Wentz is going to be. Dude, you're overthinking this, like, who the best player in the Carolina Panthers is. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's CMC, I, right, Dave? Not D, uh, DJ Moore, like you said. Uh, it was a mistype when I said best player. I meant to say best wide receiver. A, it was a mistype. It was. I meant to, in my head. I was thinking. I, I put the Robbie word player Anderson. instead of two words of wide receiver. Yeah. No. No. It was like it was I, in my head. I was thinking one thing, and I wrote another thing because obviously I'm just used to saying best player with DJ Moore. So it's just habit, like muscle memory took over. <laughs> but in my head, in my head, I went. I would. I was. I mean, honestly, it, it's CMC, but. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver one this season. Who knows? Uh, it's crazy, man. That's crazy. 